Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Just go stand on the other side, please. Billy Bob, this is it. The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame ass play where I run down field and act like I'm lost is gonna work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bop halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are oh, you gonna get me the oh, ball? I'm gonna get you the ball! I hope he doesn't kill somebody. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's gonna make the difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I got a whole lot of money, money. y'all it for me, bottle key, poppin' that water, bath, jackin', yeah, it's a party, it's a party, it's a party. Welcome into 11 Personnel Live from sunny Orlando, Florida, I'm Nick Roush, joined by our good pal, Adam Luckett. We are nine floors up at the lovely Rosen Plaza Hotel, overlooking where the pep rally is going to be tomorrow, Luckett, and uh, I know you've got to be fired up to be here. The point where you can find the pep rally tomorrow for the Citrus Bowl. But yeah, just now getting here Thursday afternoon, Nick. You've been here for what's three days now? Yeah, or t- uh, Tuesday. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Nick's been holding it down. He got in traffic in Atlanta, just like I think everybody else coming down. Everybody here. else in America. Um, I did have a long conversation with Chris Rodriguez afterwards, though, about. Not only thanking him for getting to McDonough, but he also has highly re- recommended Bucky's, the gas station. That's a mall, basically. My father-in-law has found out about Bucky's, <laughs> and you would think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> so those are two great recommendations right there. Chris Rodriguez and Florida Doug. Yeah. I told my wife Taylor we'll probably have to stop at Bucky's at some point yeah. on the way back yeah. to the Ville on Sunday. But yeah, it's. The weather is beautiful. Yeah. Couldn't ask for anything better. Um, I haven't been here too long yet, but I got a feeling there's probably going to be a strong Kentucky contingent yeah, down here. I wasn't sure about it right away, but as, I mean, you know, on Tuesday, of course, there weren't that many Kentucky fans down here. But as the game's gotten closer, I've seen more and more. Watch some, uh, some basketball action with Wildcat fans last night. Uh, watch Kentucky beat down on Missouri. At the old roof of ten, um, ran into your, your family, and man, it was it was a trip. I gotta, I gotta tell one Florida Doug story. Um, you can't tell a lot of Florida Doug stories <laughs> on Eleven Personnel, but there was there was a moment last night where um, he was he was he was kind of busting my chops. Where's your UK stuff, man? I'm like, listen, Doug, we're 
we're objective journalists, you know, we're wearing, we, we, we got to have our, uh, just normal, regular clothes. You know, I just had on like a Navy blue polo. He's like, Oh yeah. He's like, that's what Adam wanted for Christmas. He just wanted some of those H shirts. Like H. It's like, yeah, you know, those shirts with the H on them. Your cousin's like, what? Haggard? No, uh, no, that's not it. Tommy Hilfiger? Like H, I can't think of it. Well, you got it on your shirt right there. It was the Under Armour logo. <laughs> In fairness, the U and the A, it kind of looks like an H. Look at them. I was dying laughing. It was it was a great time. Uh, more good times are going to be had down here on International Drive. Uh, the Denny's, though, you just good luck trying to get into one of those places. They're packed. Yeah, I always tell people from. 2018 trip down here that this is like if Mars opened tomorrow and America wanted their little stake in Mars where where uh, Martians would come and want to see what America's like it would be international drive chain restaurants yep out the wazoo every chain you could think of big hotels everywhere oh lots of gimmicky stuff too and we have an upside down thing i don't even know what you call it like, got a ferris wheel there in the background uh-huh they have the uh the well, slingshot thing uh what looks to be the st louis arch out there i'm not sure what that is uh top golf top golf yep yep um i know it's it's, it's hard on your eyes at night because the lights are so bright <laughs> i've had trouble sleeping poor Oxmoor folks have been gosh shaking in their california kings over there worrying about top golf <laughs> but great uh pedestrian traffic you can get to a lot of places on foot. Yes. Short 10-minute drive to the stadium. Yes. So for, for as a bowl site, if you're looking for local flavor, yeah, that, that's, local middle of Florida flavor, you're not really going to get this. This is very tourist central. Um, but everything other than that, it has everything you want to have. You have bars, a um, bunch of restaurants. You can get everywhere on foot. Every There's a central location, so you're going to be around yeah, yeah. a lot of Kentucky fans. That, so that's, it's going to be a good time down here. That's one thing that is nice is it's it's walking distance to a lot of stuff. I did get at least one. Well, if you want a local spot, our pal Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South said that I hope you get to check out Chicken Fire and or Gideon's Cookies at East End Market. So there's two local places. They do exist in Orlando, at least two local places. Uh, but we'll be out and about. On International Drive, having a good time ahead of this game. It's it's going to be a little bit of fun on Thursday and Friday, but the fun has ended for the Kentucky football team. They were at Universal earlier this week. They had a uh, an outing this morning with Iowa where they uh, they took kids to a little amusement park. Uh, Will Evans was holding a gator. Um, so that, that was their last official bowl outing, though. Um, between all that, like the, the fun stops and now they're getting back into the normal kind of game week grind where when you're not practicing you're doing fun stuff now it's okay walk through team dinner meetings you know stuff like that so we're getting back into the swing of things mark stoops will have a press conference friday morning and um he's got a few uh, absences or potential absences to address like it uh how do you think stoops will will handle that, that potential news <clears throat> We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not, the surprise absences has been a thing during bowl season. 
There's been a few games late. Missouri oh. comes to mind. Drinkowitz. They had a ton. Like the day before. Like 14? In like five starters. Yeah. There's been a few others like uh, that. Purdue right now, no David Bell, no Carl Loftus, mm-hmm. no Melton Wright, Virginia which I Tech, may or no may not have known early on. No Braxton, no Braxton Burstmeister, no Trey Turner, which was pretty much their entire offense. Yeah. And played out there in the pinstripe bowl. So, yeah, there's been a few – Instances like that, it's going to be interesting to see, and it's probably going to go both ways. I mean, Iowa might have a couple that we don't know about. That's true. That's true. Uh, the two big ones for UK right now, or at least the three that I've got to keep my eye on, is um, Josh Pascal. The is he there? Is he not there? Kind of. We played that little saga this week where he was at. He was not at practice on Tuesday. Then he showed up to practice on Wednesday. Um, still didn't, I don't know, he didn't look like normal explosive Josh Pascal. I think the just the effects of that injury are lingering. He looks normal walking around, but, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know what it's going to be like. Maybe he dresses and tries to play a little bit, but some, you know. It might be a thing where they let him dress, but he doesn't play. Yeah, yeah. Um, like they did with McCall against Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Could be something very similar because they don't want to jeopardize his future. Uh, Jacquez Jones this week he was in a walking boot some and I was like man I'm surprised to see that and then UK actually tweeted it out I wasn't going to be that guy because I don't want I hate walking boot hysteria PJ Washington wore me out with walking boot hysteria Uh, but uh, so that's something we've got to keep an eye on and then another player that I did not see dressed for practice uh, on Wednesday was Dare Rosenthal so just something to monitor. On Jacquez Jones, we went to an open practice over the summer, like two weeks before the first game, and he was in a walking boot, not doing anything. Yeah, that's true. Turns around first game. I think that was really an issue, and then he was able to turn around and play, even though he missed a lot of practice time there in fall camp. So that could just – it could be precautionary. Yeah, oh, yeah, like and that. that's usually what stuff like that and is. And the Rosenthal thing, who knows, he might have ate some bad sushi yeah. down here. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, we'll have to wait. You know, it's got definitely going to be a we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> but that's this is kind of the bowl, the bowl games. You just you never know. Michigan had a thing today where one of their best defensive players, Daxton Hill. Yeah, he didn't he didn't make the he trip. He didn't make the trip, and Harbaugh said it's questionable for the game. So you don't know what's going on there with him. I love that he they reported whatever the newspaper there right report free press I think yeah they reported that he's not there. Uh, but then Harbaugh's just, oh, well, he's questionable. Well, is he questionable to make it, or is he questionable to to play? We don't know. Oh, we do know that Purdue is in scoring range right now, second and two near the goal line. Because you're not live, uh, 21-7 here in second quarter, 14 yeah. minutes left. Purdue has moved the ball. Yeah. Um, oh, cousin Jeff uh, has got the, the play sheets working today. Yeah. So we'll see what what we got here, but could be a shootout there brewing. In I did uh, emotionally hedge more substantially than I should have. Just to have the ride. Yeah, yeah, but like I suck so bad at him. Oh, trick double play, pass. double pass. Oh, he's throwing double it out coverage. of ends out. Oh. Out of yeah, man, this is fun. We were we are actually contemplating doing a Twitter Spaces uh, for this podcast. Uh, but I'm admittedly scared to try new technology for the first time in a big spot. So tell me you're 30 without telling me you're 30. 
Yeah, uh, another tell me you're 30 without telling me you're 30. I hung up my clothes when I arrived in Orlando. That's a very adult thing to do, is to, to put hang your you know, clothes up the closet. That's funny, because we stayed in Jacksonville area with my in-laws the last few days. I believe on Wednesday we didn't unpack anything for a suitcase, and I was getting a little upset. I was like, Taylor, we should have organized this. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to put clothes. Oh, that's where you're like, God, it's like the progressive commercials. You start sounding. Oh like gosh, bad. yeah, yeah. Oh, those those are great commercials too. They they can keep those going as long as they want. I want to briefly mention uh, a couple of bowl games that already happened. Uh, South Carolina, they're going to be SEC champions in 2022 after winning the Mayo Bowl. I think that's the natural progression. There, it's going to be nauseating the amount of South Carolina buzz we're going to hear this offseason. I almost texted you this today. I was like, I really hope not. I really would need North Carolina to win this game. <laughs> God, just the Shane Beamer. Because the media already loves Shane Beamer. Yeah. You know, like just the way he is in interviews, his dad, like he checks all the boxes. You pile this on, just, oh, it's going to be gross. Yeah, so just just get ready Yeah. for that. But first SEC win. Yeah. Mike Leach took it on the absolute chin. That was the most. Should, should have known that that was coming, too, because that's what he does. Mississippi State just had the most Mike Leach season ever. <laughs> they opened up a bad Louisiana Tech team, need a crazy fourth quarter comeback to beat them. They smash Kentucky and NC State at home. Yeah, top they, 25 teams. Then they lose to an LSU team that they were much better than them, kind of the same way they lost to Ole Miss. Dominated the game, created more scoring opportunities but just couldn't finish drives. Mm-hmm. They go and win at Texas A&M, who like a week later, a week or two later, beats Alabama at yeah. home. Oh, they also uh, lost a rivalry game. Yeah, lost Big a rivalry. surprise. And they also lost to Arkansas because a kicker couldn't make a kick. They missed like four field goals. <laughs> so, and then they ended in the Liberty Bowl against a team they're better than. It just gets smashed. walloped. God. And they finished the season seven and six. Peaks and valleys. That's what you signed up for. Man. There's some big peaks and some some low, low valleys, <laughs> low low valleys in there, um, but it does mean more. We have SEC teams now winning bowl games. Uh, there's a college football playoff uh, happening tomorrow that I know folks are excited to watch. Um, I'm just nervous that I might over uh, indulge because we got an early long day at Camping World Stadium on Saturday. Uh, a few. Just heads up for folks that will be down in Orlando. 4.45 on New Year's Eve is when the pep rally is happening. It's at Point Orlando, as we mentioned earlier. It's a nice setup there. Uh, you'll So, basically, you just miss the first half of the first playoff game. Then go watch the rest of the games. Call in early. Uh, turn in early, I should say. Um, because it's going to be an early morning down at the stadium. 9 a.m. is when they have an like an unofficial tailgate area set up where they got activities for the kids, all that sort of stuff. You can buy, you know, food and beer and all that. You can tailgate without having to set up a tailgate. Um, but the catwalk is at 1045. It's at the same spot it was last year or the last go around on the southeast corner of the stadium um, by Gate C on a map. Uh, I think it's off Rio Grande Avenue. So, I've tried to give you as many directional points. It is opposite of where the baseball field is and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I like that they used the picture of Josh Allen to promote the catwalk at 1045 because it made me think, wait, 
Josh Allen coming back. Bring him back. Round two. The real Josh Allen. The real, the real Josh Allen. Um, and, you know, one thing that I think is consistent with the real Josh Allen's team going into this game is the way that they've prepared for it in the uh, the energy that they're, they're putting forth in practice. I don't think we got the same level of smack talk from James Franklin that we're getting from Iowa, but you did have that one thing, you know. Pep rally. Uh, or was it at the press conference? Or there was either, he said Franklin said something. Oh, he's, that, okay, yeah, you're talking about Iowa. I'm but talking I, about Iowa now. Yeah, my yeah. brain was going back to you. You went back to Franklin talking about the real blue and white, and it and it is almost as innocuous as that was, where they said, "Well, how many bowl? Haven't been to a bowl game in how long? Uh, so what does Bully McCall do? He wears all of his bowl rings to a bowl outing this morning, which, <laughs> which is also who takes their bowl rings with them to the bowl game. I guess he was going ready to put all four of them on. Instagram ahead of time. Just, yeah, <laughs> let's get one more. Gotta be, gotta be. So um, you've got the trash talk aspect. You've got the folks fired up aspect at practice. Look at it's it's a nice storm brewing right now for the Kentucky football team entering the Citrus Bowl. A lot of momentum it seems like for the Wildcats. Just hammer your rival. Yeah. Rival goes in a tailspin. You sign your best recruiting class ever. Seems like most of your guys are going to play in this mm-hmm. game. You're avoiding the opt-outs. You're playing a team that I think you feel pretty good with how you match up with them. A lot of positive vibes. Yes. Point of their direction. Now, bowl season gets wonky. Mm-hmm. It's the most non-played games played on paper. <laughs> like, on paper, this should happen. That and then right, obviously right. tends to happen in bowl season. Uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, right. for example. So there's always that variable. Texas Tech, Mississippi State, perfect yeah. example of that. But that tends to go away. With the, the, the better, better teams, the games get. Yeah. Right. Or the better matchups, better teams are. And so we should be in for a fun football game. Oh, and when play. We, and when we start... Tennessee getting a little gadget. Play. T- Tennessee did the Kenan Hooker, like I'm looking at the sideline, and then they snap it to the running back. Direct snap action. Yeah. But oh, they did the tackle stand that stood up too. Yeah, yeah. But the but when you start digging into this, there's just a lot of things I think go in Kentucky's direction, and he, especially Iowa kind of limped in. Yeah. To end the season, yeah. where Kentucky kind of now they feasted on some bad opponents, some some that couldn't even beat. An Air Force team. <laughs> so they, they, but they pounded teams. Yeah. And that's something we've seen Mark Stoops teams kind of struggle with. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. Um, I always joke too at the beginning of the year. What game, what game was it where they didn't cover a big number? I guess it was Vanderbilt where they didn't cover. Mm-hmm. And people were a little like, uh, I don't know. 31 to 3, Vanderbilt game. Mm-hmm. And I get the. Since that or the gist that Clark Lee and Stoops probably like each other. Yeah, yeah. Brian Kelly hired Matt House. Um, Brian Kelly, old DC, was Clark Lee. Kind of similar Same. structure, similar beliefs in how the game should be played. Right, right. Defensive coordinators, defensive coordinator. We're gonna do things the right way here. You know, yeah. I, um, put it. You know, we can joke about Vanderbilt, but they they are putting more of an emphasis in recruiting. Clark Lee for fun. They hired him He's, a lot for fundraising, kind of the similar to how they Kentucky hired Stu. Yeah, so. they're investing a lot over there. So that you know, and I, 
I think you could say the same thing about Stoops with this Iowa program where, uh, hell, the Penn State game, what was the, the score to that when Kentucky put their foot off the gas? It was like 24-7, to 7, I want to say. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was either 24-7 or 27-7. I think it was 24-7. And, and then it came 27-14, and then Penn State scored two more times before yeah. Kentucky was able to run out the clock. Right. It just kind of – it's like, all right, let's 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 just get out of here with the win. Um, I think you could see a similar scenario in this game. The difference is, and, you know, I, I hate to beat the dead horse, but there's two big talking points when you talk about this game, uh, is one – Iowa's offense stinks. Two, Kentucky's offense has turned it over a ton, and Iowa forces turnovers. Yeah, that's a low-hanging fruit. Yeah, like that. Game. That's like the. Uh, it is just, it, and you have to mention it. It, it goes, like it, it is go, what's going to define this game. Um, but if you're in one of those where, okay, you, you get a 10, 14 point lead if you're Kentucky and you want to sit on it. Iowa doesn't have the guys. They, they just don't have the players on offense to be able to to overcome a big lead, a big deficit. They just don't. They, there's not like their best players on offense is what their tight end. No, it's their center. Their center is their best player. Like that's that's where we are with this Iowa offense. Yeah, a lot of bad for Iowa on offense this year. They got some young guys at receiver: Keegan Johnson, Arlen Bruce the fourth. That they've had to start pretty much as true freshmen, um, two four-star recruits. But this is what have been like Kentucky starting Chris Lewis this year. That the Kel Crowdis. It's mm-hmm. kind of that level of recruit, like a good recruiting win, but it's not necessarily players that are ready to go from the jump. Um, so they're leaning on them. They're running backs out, Tyler Goodson, but even he was pretty inefficient. They're not efficient in the run game. They get behind the chains, and then passing wise. Spencer Petrus is a statue in the pocket. He takes a lot of sacks. He's not accurate with the football. Right around 55% completion rate. Um, most of his completions aren't good completions. Doesn't create a lot of explosive plays. They really struggle on offense. And even the guy that they put in for him, Alex Padilla, he's... He was even worse. Yeah, 50%. And you could say that, well, he's a better runner, but like that's very relative. Right, and he's not, not like that. It's not like to carry on Joyner for South right. Carolina coming in to just go, you know. And so, it's just a lot of bad. I mean, they played 11 Power 5 teams, 9 games, offensive score, 2 touchdowns or less. It's bad. They struggle to score. When they get scoring opportunities, they struggle to put the ball in the end zone. They're not afraid to get to conservative. They want to win the field position game, and they're just going to lean on their defense and kicking game to win. Their offense just doesn't want to mess it up. Yes, we're kind of at the point you're at. And they you want see, to flip the field, and like you're talking, <laughs> like you're talking about, if they get behind, they're not built to do anything, and that that's exactly what happened in the Big Ten title game. Yeah, Michigan hit a couple explosives there in the first half, got a lead, and then it was just you could just with each possession, it just slowly started to slip away, Whoa. and then the 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 onslaught came in the second half when everything snowballed on them, and it turned into the huge blowout that it was, and. This is also, I think, a, a big game for Liam Cohen to kind of validate the progress that they've made over the second part of the season. And I think he's going to go for the Jaguar early. Like, th- there's there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to take a couple shots just to test them, you know? Because I think they're going to be able to get that underneath stuff whenever they want. Yeah, the thing with Iowa is, like, you're going to get – 
lot of two deep safety looks. So that's something Kentucky got a lot of against Georgia, but Georgia plays man coverage where they could – and their front just controls the game. Iowa kind of asked their front to do the same, but they're playing zone in the back end. So they got all eyes on the football. But their front does a great job of kind of holding blocks, disengaging, keeping linebackers free. Their linebackers don't miss tackles. Um, but if you play with a light box against Kentucky, every, they've been able to run the ball on everybody except Georgia. Yeah, yeah. And then Mississippi State, that, they got away from the run very early in that game. And there was a weird Chris Rodriguez stuff going on. If you're committed to running the ball with Rodriguez and Levis, you're going to be able to consistently, I think, move the ball, get the change. You're maybe not going to have the big chunk plays. You're going to sometimes find yourself in third and eight, but consistently that's going to be a a successive formula for you. Then you have to worry about with Iowa, they're so good in the back end and they're so well coached that they just, any mistake, tip balls, they find them. Um, they're, They're very good at kind of. I mean, they have 24 interceptions this year. Yeah. For out loud. <laughs> they're very good at matching. Like they know what the weaknesses of their zone are, and they're very good at adjusting and playing some match coverage to where you can't just pick up part the same zones over and over and over. Right. A um, lot more bad tends to happen than good when you throw the ball against Iowa. Their pass rush isn't great, but it's a lot of you have to take dink and dunk, dink and dunk. So you can't be afraid to take the profits in this game. It's going to be hard to hit bombs against Iowa. Like you just kind of got to stay, stay patient. Stay true to who you are. Run the football. Don't be afraid to play field position either if you're Kentucky. Get a few first downs and punt because if Iowa can't move the ball, you might get the ball right back in good spot. And so that's really what this game is about. It kind of is – a big play, Purdue. Both teams – Let's go. Some of the boilers hanging in there. Both teams are kind of have a similar strategy. They go about it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Kentucky's just much better on offense. I think if you ask Kurt Ferentz in a private room, he would want the offense maybe to look a little bit more something like what Kentucky has. Yeah, um, and I, I hate doing uh, podcast overlap, but it's just naturally going to happen. Freddie made the point: this team is a lot like this Iowa team is a lot like last year's Kentucky team. I'm like, man, yeah, <laughs> they are. You Bunch know, of interceptions. Yeah, opportunistic Can't as hell. Pass the ball. Yeah, I mean, I would, the only thing I would say Kentucky's running game was better. Yes. Yes. Um, and I would say Iowa's defense was a little better, but yeah, I mean that's they're pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, uh, I, I, I'm interested the way you articulated how to uh, attack Iowa's defense. Though it still sets up like that's kind of in Levis's breadbasket, in Kentucky's breadbasket. I mean, you get to throw like what 15 yard square routes to to Wandale. Don't be afraid to run the ball with Levis either in this game. Yeah, like uh, the combination of Rodriguez and Levis running the ball. I mean, I would like to see it get close to 32, 33 attempts from that twosome. Yeah, get 22, 23 from Rodriguez. Get about the 10, dozen. 11, yeah. 12 from Levis. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the ticket to this game. And then Dinkin and Duncan. Um, it, we've seen in the past receivers like Wandale Robinson. I always had issues with David, David Bell, Bell. David Bell tore him sticks up. out. Yeah. Um, some Michigan guys that are short and shifty were able to do some things. Um, so Robinson, really in that intermediate to underneath area, getting in those zones and kind yep. of sitting down, and Levis putting the ball on him is, is going to be big in this game. You know what else is going to be big like it? What's that? We'll find out right after this. <laughs> 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Well, okay, one thing that we, we mentioned when this game was set up, but we haven't really, you know, we've kind of drifted away, is the emotional aspect of it. And not only from Mark Stoops, but there's a lot of guys on this Kentucky football team where this game, this game means a lot. This is Wondell Robinson's first bowl game. He's never played in one. Kenneth Horsey, this dude, the last time he was down here in Florida, playing 30 minutes, I mean, it's almost exactly 30 miles, or a 30-minute drive from his high school. Sanford. Yeah, Sanford, just right down the road. He had, he'd had open-heart surgery eight months before. And John Sharman told him to keep working, and you'll get there. And you know what? He's back now. He's, he's getting there. John Sumrall. Coaching in his final game for Kentucky. He was fighting back tears talking about getting to coach DeAndre Square one more time. The It's tried and tried to discuss just, well, how much do the bowl games mean? Blah, 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 blah. But, like, you don't have to question that with this Kentucky football team entering the Citrus Bowl. They they want to be there. there. There's no doubt about it. They're, they have a lot to play for. For another 10-win season. That's, that last part, to me, is a big key. 10 hits a lot different than 9. Get yeah. that double-digit win season, mm-hmm. second in four years. I think that plays a big part in it. I think also Kentucky, like, it feels like there was kind of a precedent set by Josh Allen. Yes. Um, even Benny Snell, I think he could. But he was going after the rushing record, so he was probably wanting to play in that game regardless. But Josh Allen really had no – he didn't. Yeah. Of all the opt-outs – Potentially, right. That was a prime candidate for one, mm-hmm. and he didn't opt out. And it's kind of stuck that I mean, Lynn could have opted out. He was just playing in the Belk Bowl. He's done enough, saved their season. Yep. He played, so it's kind of like at Kentucky. This is kind of what they do. We care about these games. Well, it's also a sign too. I just think of the overall health of the program. Mm-hmm. I think it's a sign that the players like each other. They like being around each other. Yeah. They like being around the coaches. They, you know, newsflash. In just in breaking news, football players like to play football, <laughs> and so I think there's a lot of kind of 
that to that, and I think it all adds up. It doesn't hurt that you're in good a good bowl game either. Yeah, yeah. This no. is a big bowl game. You're playing the team that just played for the Big Ten championship. Again, chance for ten wins, chance to finish ranked. All that. I think all that adds up to what we're kind of seeing play out. Yeah, and if you recall too, like Josh Allen didn't just play in the bowl game. Like he played awesome. Um, he blocked the field, field goal, goal. Blocked the field goal. Had three sacks, and one of them was a big third down, if I'm not mistaken, too. Like, a pretty crucial moment. Um, and you mentioned Lynn Bowden, too. There's been some pretty signature bowl moments. I think last year's might be the only one where there's not, like, a one – like, really, the first thing that comes to mind is Brandon Eccles doing the CPR thing. Yeah. Because, <laughs> and it, it kind of exemplifies that game, almost, where they kind of clowned him, clowned NC State. But I think for the most part, in these bowl wins, there's been those moments. What, what do you think the, the, the big bowl moment could be this go-around in the Citrus Bowl? That's a great question. Maybe, like, is this a game Kentucky finally gets, like, a tip ball interception? Finally gets a big interception. Maybe, like, when they've had pick, uh, two pick sixes already, even with the lack of interception. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Is that the game we get that? There's almost certainly going to be a big Wondell Robinson play. Yeah. You can set your watch to it. Um, Maybe on punt return? Especially, I was doing some research like it. In two games against Iowa and Nebraska, he had nine receptions and nine rushes. Zero receptions as a true freshman against them. Just carries. Might have a little, you know, something for him. I ultimately think that this is, this feels like a great jumping off point for Will Levis. Yeah, that was kind of like I don't, I don't know if we're going to get one, two, three, four, counting him in in the end zone, but there's going to be something. He was a thirty for two sixty, just against maybe three touchdown passes against what might be the best pass defense. Outside of Georgia, yeah. in the country. What and, and the thing is, is you you mentioned to it earlier that even though it's probably running the ball might be a better easier path to success. I don't think it's going to be a we're hurtling over somebody. I think he's going to throw up a pretty pass into the end zone, like a thirty-two yard, maybe not a fade, but a, one of those hit, precise like Isaiah Cummings. You got it. You you have to hit it at this perfect spot with hands coming across. And that's that's the difference between uh, winning, not only winning and losing, but also winning and really jumping into the off season full steam ahead. Yeah, you look at these bowl games like it's a way to prop up, build momentum for mm-hmm. next season. We talked about South Carolina already. It's a great chance for Kentucky and kind of the Levis hype train. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. A few years ago, Terry Wilson entered this game a couple good games together. Felt like a moment for him playing a good defense. If he could come out and have a good game, that'd be really something, kind of a launching point. Um, and he didn't really have all that great of a game. Kentucky won kind of getting nothing from the quarterback position. Yeah. The pad, the big passes they get were screens where Bolden was just catch and run. Yeah. For Levis, can you do it against a good defense? If he can have a big game, that could be a very big kind of trampoline into next year. So that's definitely something to see. I think for a guy like Isaiah Cummings – yeah. We talked about he's going to play a lot in this game. If he could have, you know, a six catches for 57 yards. Touchdown, yeah. Touchdown yeah. and have, like, a big moment in this game, that could be a launch point for him. And uh, on defensively, too, 
um, for some younger guys. Does Trevon Wallace get in? If he plays for Jacquez Jones, does he make a bunch of big plays potentially? Right, right. Um, at safety, uh, Jalen Geiger maybe. Carrington Valentine, does he get his first career interception? Right. Stuff like that. Those are the things I think we when to create our off-season content. Yes. Stuff we'll talk about. Please, please do this for our jobs. Make our jobs easier. Well, a lot of that's created in the bowl game. So yeah. if that can, if something like that can happen, you know, you could look and be pretty excited. Uh, Kenneth Orsia, if he plays left tackle, what does that look like for Darrell Rosenthal? Yeah, things like that. I think are different areas. I think we'll be watching to see if kind of us there's like a splashy performance to kind of lead into next season. Right. Right. Um. Man, and I, I'm trying to recall what game it was. Zen Cummings have a pretty bit, like a good contested touchdown catch. Vanderbilt. It was Vanderbilt? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Having one of those would be nice. And then Tennessee, too. He had a huge game against Tennessee. That was probably his best game to date against Tennessee. So, building on that, uh, Keaton Upshaw is down here. He's a people forget about kind of guy. Uh, but he's back to running around some. It was good to see him. Uh, out there, uh, you know, he's not doing any contact by any means, but good to see him out there. Tashawn Manning, Tashawn Manning's built, he, he had, he's a big boy. He's not a small human being. No, no, right. he's a big boy. Um, so good to to get that vibe. I know, hell, we got another future Wildcat in town too. Tyree Spearbury is playing in this weekend's Under Armour All-American game. They're playing that at Camping World Stadium the day after. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so they're running back. We got a ton of guys. From 0-3, the national uh, recruiting writers down here. Chad Simmons, Jeremy Crabtree, Jerry Hamilton. Um, so, a lot of folks um, with eyes and ears on that game. What's funny, Lucky? So, cheese at Bowl was last night. Iowa State, Clemson. Brock Purdy, whole various way to end a football game. Like, if you don't love bowl season, have a quarterback run for a first down on fourth and two, then fumble it backwards and fall on it to not get the first down. The inter- pick six interception. Was even a more hilarious oh god that play. so he got the ball tipped it came back to him instead of catching it he tried to tip it forward he like Some swatted said it he tried to bat it down but there was a receiver out there I think he was literally trying to bat it to that receiver it looked like he was volleyball spiking it to him yeah that was it was like almost like in basketball on a fast break like the little push pass yeah man that was push tap pass and he pushed it just directly to the other team the quarterback pick six. <laughs> That was something. Oh, the cheese ball. Which was kind of a microcosm of Brock Purdy's career and the Iowa State season. So close, yet so far away. And I tweeted out last night, will we still have? Will we still see Matt Campbell ahead of Mark Stoops? On those? Top 25? Right, right. Uh, man, so funny. It, it was cool, though, after the game. I'd never seen this before, but um, Scott Docterman, who uh, – covers Iowa for the athletic. He was covering Iowa State. And he showed a picture of them hosing down the end zones. Got to get them ready for and that, And that's how you get rid of the paint. I didn't know how that worked. I guess, so I guess it's just water-soluble stuff. What if it rains? Does it just bleed everywhere? I guess it's got to be a lot of water. Like, Yeah, I don't know. But it was, it was kind of weird. You could see like half of the Iowa State going away while they're, they're getting to, set up for Kentucky-Iowa. Well, like the Tebow game against Florida State when he had all that red paint on him. Oh, man. That. Maybe that was just from a lot of rain. <laughs> there's that famous picture of Tebow where he's yelling. Yeah. And he's got half his 
the right side down is just covered well, in like. Hendon Hooker's got there. it right now. He's got white paint all over him, um, and he just missed. It was fourth and nine, and he had a dude wide open in the end zone uh, for like a forty yard touchdown. Purdue hanging him. in there. Yeah, Purdue hanging around, hanging around better than expected. We just can't have Tennessee win and not cover. You either win and cover or you lose. Yeah. You know in between. We, can, we cannot have them winning by seven points here or less. That would just be a, a travesty to all that is good in the world. Um, speaking of everything that's good in the world, Chris Rodriguez. Is this going to be like the quietest 1,500-yard season out there? How, what's he at right now? 1272, so 1300. Maybe 1400. So he could, I mean, yeah, if he had like a fifty, he could get to. He'd be at 1400, over 1400. Is this going to be the quietest 1400 yeah. season ever? And if he got, he's two touchdowns away from 10. Yeah, you could have a 1410 season. <laughs> I mean. And uh, we heard Liam Cohen talk about how he just doesn't lose yards and he's just efficient, which we talked about. He's an efficiency monster. He gets you ahead of the chains consistently. When you break down running backs, like people may have preferred Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker, guys who can create more big chunk plays. Those explosives, yeah. While you're getting second and nine, second and elevens, third and sevens more when you when you hand them the ball. Rodriguez, you're not getting that. He's every he's been able to do that against pretty much everybody except Georgia this year. Um, Chattanooga was the one weird game where he really couldn't get going, but other than that, it's been. Yeah. Really, really good. And he had quietly, he just had a you know, a great game against Louisville. Uh-huh. And he just kind of slowly chipping away. He, it, he, it, he hasn't he hasn't had like a real workhorse game. His carries the last Tennessee had twenty two carries, but a lot of that was due because they had a hundred some plays. Yeah. You know, uh it's Vanderbilt sixteen, New Mexico State sixteen. Um before that he only he went up twenty seven against Missouri, twenty six against South Carolina. Going back to kind of my what, how I think Kentucky has to attack, I think it could be kind of a 25-26 carry game for him. It kind of reminds me of the way Oscar Shibway rebounds, where you expect it, and then you look up with 10 minutes left in the game, and you're like, God, he's got 16 rebounds right now? Like, when did that happen? That That's kind of how it feels like with Chris Rodriguez, where – it's just like, well, he's not getting tackled for loss. It's second Tackle six. For granted. Yeah, you know, you really, you really do. And and then I think part of it too is that he hasn't had as many as explosive touchdowns this year. Um, there was, yeah. I, 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 it took until November for him to really get one of those big thirty-five, you know, plus yard kind of touchdown plays. Um, but that's going to be something that you're not going to be taking for granted against this Iowa defense that is very stout. Very stout in the trenches, and I'm I'm curious if Iowa thinks that they can play with light boxes in there. That's what they do. They don't vary from what they do. But man, they, they are who they are. But they did say like you know they're really good. You like, might sneak that free safety <clears throat> in the box more. You might see them go to maybe some cover one, creep up a little bit. Right. Yeah. But they kind of they do what they do. Now one thing they can run an old four three front like at their Sam linebacker position. Dane Belton's like a safety. He's kind of their wild card. They'll move him all over the place, play him in the box some, play him deep safety, play strong safety, kind of move him in places. But then he rotates with Justin Jacobs, who's a 235-pound traditional 4'3 Sam linebacker. Mm-hmm. So they can get 
pretty big. big. And yeah. specifically at the linebacker position, they're not huge at the line of scrimmage. And they're not small, but they're not huge. But specifically at linebacker, they can get pretty big. And where the, those guys can take on blocks and they make tackles. You go backwards when you hit them. They got some wood splitters with Jack Campbell, oh. Seth Benson. Wood splitter, that's but, a freaking great but football here's, team. But here's, here's what I mean by Rodriguez. Of the running backs I've charted this year with over 200 carries. So you're looking at 200 carries there, Nick. That's anywhere between, let's see here. 200 carries is? A lot. Seven. You're looking at 17 to 22 carries a game. So that's, yeah. in modern-day football, that's workhorse back, I would yes. categorize. So Rodriguez leads them all with a 54, 54.6% success rate. The next one I've charted is Sean Tucker at Syracuse, 47.6%. Ryan Robinson at Jeez. Alabama. 47.1% on 223. I mean, he's significantly ahead. The kid at LSU, Tyrion Davis-Price, 45% on 211. Tyler Beatty, 44.4 on 268, which that he got 268 on his frame <laughs> is a lot of work for him. Um, let's see here. Tank Bigsby. And that 40, doesn't count all the receptions right. he had, too. Tank Bigsby, 43% on 207. Kenneth Walker, 43% on 263. Brees Hall, 42.3% on 253. He's just – I mean, it's hard to get more efficient than he is. And whenever he leaves, we might get another year of him here at Kentucky. Yeah. But whenever he leaves, that's really going to be missed. And I think people aren't really going to realize that. Until it's – yeah. You might – the next back might be more explosive, but you're going to find yourself in a lot more second and eights and put more pressure on your quarterback. Like, what they've had the last two years with him has really been quite special to get to get that type of efficiency at the running back position. He was a tight – Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.